Hi there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a business podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, and I'm a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business. I've been in the event industry and am wildly passionate about education for small businesses and teaching others through the mistakes we've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. Welcome into the Render Podcast. We are excited to have a new episode dropping today. And I have two of my dear friends on here, Rhoda and Anna with Loot Rentals. They started in Austin, Texas, which is not that far from here in Dallas, Texas. And so I'm excited to have them on and talk a little bit about their story and um, just a little bit about the rental industry. So I'm going to introduce them. They're going to tell you a little bit about themselves, and we'll just dive right in. So, Rhoda, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and anything else you might want to share? Cool, yeah. Um, Well, thanks for having us, Cammie. This is a lot of fun. So, my name is Rhoda Brimberry, and um, Ann and I started Loot about 2011, and we were one of the handful of people that started um, a boutique rental company just kind of pioneering the movement that now house thousands and thousands of players, which is really cool. I live in Austin, Texas with my husband and two children. I have Daniel, who's 13, Evelyn, who's 11. Currently, we are in shelter in place, so we have been living very closely with one another for over a month now. I have shifted my CEO status with Loot to also include a full-time homemaker, and um, which has been a lot of fun. So uh, we do homeschooling a lot, and we've picked up on some new skills like how to sow seeds and new cooking and things like that. That's awesome. I totally get that life. I've got two kiddos at home too, so you know we're trying to make it work. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Anna, what about you? Yes, yeah, so I... Um, started the company with Rhoda in 2011 and, you know, recently moved up to Fort Worth to open our second branch for the DFW area. And that has obviously been a little bit delayed due to everything surrounding the coronavirus. Um, so trying to navigate that right now, um, Also, my role has kind of uh, shifted a little bit. I was chief creative officer and um, in charge of all of the, you know, creative direction for the brand. And now I'm kind of diving into basically starting from square one again up in DFW. So my role has shifted a bit. Yeah, that makes sense, especially taking on a new location in you know, a shelter in in place type of scenario. And that's tough. I can only imagine starting a rental company or starting a new branch of a company in a, what feels like impossible situation. Oh yeah. And then I, I should also mention too, I have two kids as well. Um, Otto, who is six and Edie, who is three. So that's awesome. Also getting to know each other very well over the past. <laughs> yeah, my kids are five and two, so just behind you guys. 
And gosh, with toddlers and young kids, it's tough. I think with any type of kids or age of kids, I think it's tough. I'm sure Rhoda can weigh in on that and, and you know, find some commonality there. And so we're just trying to navigate. I think everyone's trying to do the best they can. And that's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, you guys are sister-in-laws. Yeah. And so why don't you share a little bit about what it's like to work with a sister-in-law I know that most companies who have two owners or two CEOs are typically friends or business partners. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how that has been for you guys being family and maybe how it's affected um, for better or for worse, um, maybe your family life and all of that. So when we started back in 2011, we were in different stages of our life, obviously, um, Anna had just gotten married and I had been married for a while and had two kids already. And um, it's been kind of fun growing together because I've been able to see Anna, you know, shift more into different roles in her life because since then she's also had two children and now she's got school age children. And so it's just really cool to, to work together and shift together through our ages and now I'm 45 and and she's 10 years younger than me. And it's just, you know, we've evolved together through different stages. Working together as a family is typically ill-advised. It's not something people say, like, that's kind of always something that people are like, don't do it, don't do it. I feel like we've been very fortunate to be able to manage our relationship well. Um, And even considering that we work together, And I always kind of joke that I'm married to two people and their brother and sister because I'm married to Anna's brother, but I also feel in some ways that we have a marriage because we work together and we are nurturing this baby together, which is Lute. We do a good job, I think, um, managing together. There are some times when we both kind of take the lead in something and the other one feels like, well, I need to know what's going on there. And that's something that we're always kind of working through. But um, this downtime that we've had has allowed us to really identify, okay, you manage this, you manage this. And it's been kind of good for us to revisit our processes and ownership so we know who's doing what as we move forward. Mm -hmm. And I have to agree with that. I think we complement each other really well as business partners. I think Rhoda takes more of a visionary role in the company and she has all of these great ideas and brings them to the forefront. And I kind of see myself as the person that kind of takes those ideas and figures out how to implement them and put them into operation. I think it's good to have somebody also rein in those ideas. And Rhoda has so many great ideas, but sometimes we have to narrow that down. And so I think it's, we have a good partnership in that to where she can kind of bounce those off of me. and Yeah, I think Anna a lot of times is more of a voice of reason when I get a little wild in my ideas. <laughs> and um, I think we kind of ground each other. It's really fun. Sometimes I think we both kind of do that a little bit where we get these ideas and we bounce it off the other person just to be like, okay, how does this sound or how do we flesh this out a little bit more? Um, but overall, I think your description was, perfect because I do have a lot of ideas 
And Anna does a great job of executing them. Like she can see what I'm saying very well. And, and she's like, oh, okay, so this is how it's going to look. And then she's able to work with her team and figure out what the design looks like and, and really execute it into something that is more tangible, which is really nice. Yeah, that makes total sense. I don't have a second owner with me like you guys do, but I do have Kaylee on my team, which I think both of you have met her before. Yeah. Um, and she's been on my team for the last, gosh, almost three and a half years. And it's important, I think, for our listeners to know that even if you don't have someone who also co-owns the business with you, um, it's good to have somebody in your life, whether they work for you or maybe they're just a voice of reason, to maybe help out with those ideas and ask questions to further those ideas and, and figure out if that's a tangible things to do. I know that Kaylee has been that for me which is great. And I think most owners of businesses, and whether it's just one person or the other, most people have some sort of a visionary person in um, in the business. And so someone to not necessarily talk us down from it, but help us understand, hey, that's either a crazy idea or it's a really great idea. Let's run with that and see how, how we can actually make that happen. Because I think sometimes as visionary People, sometimes it's hard to have the what and the how behind our big, grandiose ideas. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I have to give Anna credit, too. Like, this came about long before we were in business together. Um, And I've told Anna this before, but when we first started, like, really jiving um, as friends and sisters came about when she was in college and I you know like I said we're 10 years apart so she was just on a different path than I was at the time through her growth and my growth but I was in this stage of life when we first started the business where I you know I had two babies at home and my husband was working and I um, wanted to to fulfill some of my ideas that I had very uh, creative crafty ideas And I remember I would talk to other people and I'm like, I have this idea where I want to do this, this, and this. At the time, it was a lot of just crafts, um, handiwork. And I feel like my, the response was a lot of just, you know, like, oh, great. You know, like there's another wild idea that she has. What else is coming out out of her head? You know, just, but when I would present those things to Anna, she would take me seriously. And I thought that was really cool. And she gave me great feedback, like, that's not going to work, or why don't you try this, or something like that. And that was probably the first time in my life that I felt like I had somebody that I could bounce things off and not feel like I was being silly or like, oh, you're right, this is silly, this is stupid, I shouldn't have thought of that. And she takes me seriously, and I think that has just kind of grown throughout the years. It's been almost 10 years now, and still I'll bring, you know, some lofty, strange ideas, and she doesn't laugh at them. She just kind of is like, okay, well, let's think about that a little bit further. How is that going to work? And I feel like that's where we've seen a lot of our success is that partnership. That's awesome. I'm glad that you guys have that. Ina, do you have anything else to talk about that? Or maybe you can talk more about um, maybe your relationship as sister-in-laws and maybe how you guys do navigate things outside of work and, and how you create some sort of, not necessarily balance, but some sort of 
thing that you guys do together to make sure that your sister-in-law relationship doesn't always feel like work and doesn't always feel like you're having to talk about the business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've always been very intentional about, you know, when we're with family, we don't talk about business unless, of course, it's, it's an emergency and we have to talk about it. But for the most part, when we're hanging out with family and Rhoda is married to my brother, so my parents are, you know, her in-laws and our kids are cousins. So we spend a lot of time together outside of work. Um, so setting that boundary has been really important in our relationship. We also try to connect on having like, even though it's business trips, we're connecting as sisters. So when we go to Round Top, it's just us going. And even though we're working on the business, we're having like amazing quality sister bonding time as well. And we try to do, I don't know, two or three trips a year, whether that's to Round Top or to Market or to a conference. And that has strengthened our relationship too, just having that one-on-one time without family around. I think it's so important to put together that time set aside together, even if it is a business trip, like still finding some sort of margin in your lives to still connect as sisters. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about having two different locations, multiple different business streams. Um, I know that you guys don't just do rentals. You guys have Loot Finer Goods and now you have, um, I think it's called Dweller. And so what does that look like? One, being in two different cities and how that might be a struggle and what you guys have set up to make that possible and to make that um, not only possible, but thrive as well. Mm. Thrive is a interesting word to use during this time. Um, <laughs> I cannot say that we are thriving right now, um, yeah. just like everybody else in our business and any business that is hurting right now. We are really just focused on um, staying lean and pivoting. And so what we've had to do is really focus on the stuff that isn't in ultimate startup mode, which is Dweller right now is, is has been shuttered because we don't have um, the foundation fully set for that. We were just in beta mode when all this started happening. And so that's good news is that we didn't get in too far yet. But at the same time, we just needed to really rethink our mission and how we were going to operate all the three businesses plus the extra um, location. And so basically what we've decided is that we're going to focus only on the rentals for now. And that being our main line of business, what started it from the beginning and, and really where the most work is coming and putting all of our eggs in that basket right now. Yeah. We're also, I would say, very thankful to have Loot Finer Goods established during this time because it's kind of been our saving grace, to be honest. Uh, we're, we're getting, you know, income from that, whereas we're not really getting much income from the event rentals at all right now. So, and we're also pivoting, trying to focus more on how can we 
rent our items, but not have them be for events per se, you know, renting office, office furniture for home office or, you know, still dabbling a bit in the home staging. But yeah, I would say that they have taken a bit of a back seat during this time. And also you had asked about having a second location and the challenges with that. Um, you know, to be completely honest, it's it's been, it has been a challenge, especially being separated from the main kind of heartbeat of the company for me to not be there. I will say though that daily Zoom calls have been helping with that during this coronavirus time and making me feel a little bit more connected to things. But um, before it was pretty like, okay, you focus on on DFW and we have Austin covered. But that was really hard for me as one of the founders and partners not feeling involved. And I think that was the biggest challenge, opening up in a second location and being the one to do it and having it all be on my shoulders and not having a team built yet. Almost feeling like going back to square one, you know, 11 years ago, <laughs> taking on all of these hats that I hadn't worn in such a long time. So taking on sale, like a, putting on the sales hat, you know, for a couple hours a day and then a logistics hat and operations hat, like all of these different hats that I hadn't put on. I was having to put them on again. Lots of hats. Uh, <laughs> and I had just started thinking about, you know, I had just started doing interviews, trying to grow my team up here. And then the coronavirus hit. South by Southwest was canceled and all of that got put on hold. And so I'm still trying to do as much as possible, still trying to connect as much as possible up here. But it is hard when it's all on my shoulders to keep it afloat. That's the biggest challenge. Right. That makes sense, especially when you are used to having a team and used to having that operations manager and warehouse manager and sales teams and and having the people who do some of the more daily tasks rather than the business things that you have to be doing as the owner of the business. And so I get that. I totally get that. I started my company in 2012 in Phoenix, Arizona, and then um, unfortunately had gotten a divorce and moved to Dallas in 2014. So I get it. I mean, I started not, I mean, I wasn't in business for nine years before I started, but started a company in Phoenix and then moved two years later. And so it felt like, um, you know, going to the beginnings of business again and how hard that feels when you do have a steady income or you have a steady amount of people who you interact with and then moving to a new city and maybe knowing some people, but not being a part of the industry um, on a daily basis in a new city. So I get that. Um, same business. Yeah, we did planning and rentals in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and then when I moved here to Dallas, um, I stopped doing planning and continued with the rentals. But it was like starting the Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but it was starting the business over again, and it's tough. It's really tough. So I can only imagine what nine years in the business, yeah. like then going back to square one. It has been good, though, like 
it's not completely square one because we do, I do have a team in Austin that can support me and has been supporting me. And it's great to have them to just bounce ideas off of. And we're, you know, working on a lot of new sales and marketing initiatives right now. And it's, you know, if I was just back to square one, I don't think I would have the manpower behind those ideas to execute them. So I am thankful for that. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. Maybe let's talk about um, then the crazy COVID-19 stuff happening right now. I know it's so tough on so many people. And um, I think especially the events industry, whether it be sporting events or weddings or corporate events and all that, it's just tough. And I fully recognize that. Um, But maybe let's shift into um, when this is all over and what are some fun things that you guys are putting into place or doing in your businesses that um, make sense for when it's not as rainy of a day? What are some things that you guys are doing to where when this is over, there is blue skies and there is still a business at the end of this? Well, um, we're using this time right now to just really look at our playbook and um, redefine, you know, the roles and who's doing what and getting the processes down. And that's been kind of, uh, fun is not the right word, but it's just been exciting that to have the time to really look at that because we've been running so, so fast for many years that we really haven't had a lot of dedicated time to that. So the good news is, is when we open our doors again, it's exciting to think, okay, now we have these new ideas to implement. Things are going to run a lot more smoothly than what we've experienced before, and we'll have all these processes in place that are a little bit stronger. So that one, that's one kind of geeky way to get jazzed. But we're also anticipating how the landscape is going to look after this is done, which has been kind of a, I can't use another word, fun process, or just, it's just kind of just tickling the gray matter, so to speak, of like, okay, what's what's it going to look like? How are you going to shift from this? One thing that we've talked about is the question of, are the event sizes, uh, guest counts going to go down because people are a little worried to gather? Um, And so how are we going to respond to that? And a big thing that we've been very intentional about from the very first day, it was March 6th, it's going down in the record book is like one of the craziest days because that was the day that they um, canceled South by Southwest. And for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar with South by Southwest, it's just one of the biggest um, events in Austin where it attracts uh, hundreds of thousands of people and they canceled it a week before. And so I remember that day is going to go down in history. Is like, okay, this is the day everything's going to change. Um, and from that day, the intentional part that I was talking about, we started addressing the company and all of our employees as, as we're going into this in the offensive. I don't want to be reactionary. We don't want to, you know, overthink this stuff. But offensively, like, how do we, how do we change how do we pivot to match everything that's happening? And that's been good for a good exercise for us as business leaders to really understand that you always have to bob and weave in order to stay afloat. And how are we going to do that? Yeah, that's awesome. I know that South by Southwest had canceled and then Coachella canceled and then everything else it felt like was canceling and it was just terrible, really. Yeah, that was a 
that was a dark day for sure <laughs> when that happened. Right. That's awesome that you guys are focusing on other things, though, that not necessarily keep you distracted, but give you a sense of hope that things will go back to not necessarily normal. I don't know that things will go back to the exact same way it was before, but, you know, there's hope that these types of events will happen again. It just might not be within the next year or even two years from now. So, yeah. Anna, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think... Yeah, just focusing on the foundation has been something that we've needed to do for a long time. And it's we've never had the time to do it in, until now. And so we're reading Vern Harnish's book, Scaling Up, between the executive team. And I highly recommend the book. There's a lot of really great action items in there to help you uh, focus on the business and gives you, you know, these key steps to make it happen. So that's been, that's been great. I think for us to connect on the leadership team, we meet once a week about the book and put these action items into place. And so we're constantly moving forward with that, which is, which has been really great in terms of like where we're going to be at when this is all over. I think Rhoda said it best is just kind of like, we have no idea what's on the other side of the curtain. And just trying to anticipate what it might be like so that we can create an offensive play to best survive, really. Yeah, that makes sense. How does your team look now that all this has essentially settled in over the last six to eight weeks? Does your team look different? How are you supporting the people who are on your team, um, whether they are still there or furloughed? What does that look like? Well, we um, had to furlough uh, probably about two-thirds of our team. Mostly a, a lot of the people that are in the back of house is how we kind of talk about it, the warehouse and delivery crew, just because there really was no work to be done when all the events were postponed or canceled. We've maintained a smaller team of all the executives and as well as a few key players that are on the sales and marketing team so we can continue to pronounce our relevance in the in the marketplace um, and not go completely silent. So we've been having a good time coming up with some new initiatives of how to keep people engaged, how to keep people energized. And when I say people, I'm talking about customers and followers, just trying to, you know, have offensive plays where people can, if, if we're seeing a, a trend of people talking a lot about like how hard this is, or if we're seeing a trend in one way, we are trying to counter it with something else, you know, like how about we pivot and talk about this instead, or trying to, to bring light to people, trying to energize people and also stay relevant. So when it's time that our doors can open again, we can start talking, uh, continue the conversation instead of knocking on the door again to these people. Like, hey, don't forget about us. We're trying to stay relevant the entire time. And that's been fun, too, for our entire team because we've, we spend a lot of sessions just drumming up new ideas and having, you know, fun with them. So a few of us took, you know, a lot of us took pay cuts. And like we said in the beginning, we're just trying to function more lean and feel very confident that coming out of this, we'll, we'll still be able to open our doors because of the work that we did at 
to cut our costs as much as we could. Right. And businesses that have such high cost, like rental companies and like many, many other companies, I think it's important that we all took those measures early on than getting out of this and being like, well, I wish I would have been more conservative yeah. on my cost versus holding out hope and and hoping it was only going to be, you know, 14 days or 30 days. And, and now we are eight weeks in. Yeah. And so cutting those costs as unfortunate as they have to be had to happen. And I know that we had really tough, tough conversations that, you know, I, I dreamt of never having. And having those, I feel like so many people have been so understanding. And instead of being met with um, anger or frustration, it was all met with grace and understanding. And so I know as a business owner, it felt so good to feel like they understood and be met with grace instead of, you know, anger, which easily is an easy reaction to everything going on. And so I think our teams are so important. And I know the heart behind everything is to support them as long as possible. Um, But one of my mentors in the event industry, he was telling me, you know, a boat that goes through a storm and especially an unknown storm, has to get rid of some of the weight of that's on the boat so that the boat can last and get through that storm. And so he made it sound very similar to our businesses, that, hey, our, our business is this boat, and we're going into this storm figuratively, and unfortunately, we're going to have to let go of some of the expenses that hold us going through a sunny day and um, getting rid of those expenses are really tough because typically it's people tied to those expenses. But in order to get to the other side and bring them back on the boat, the boat has to get to the other side. Right. So thinking about that in the very beginning is so important. And it's tough, but it's important. Yeah, that was those were some dark days when we had to go through that. Uh, you know, it's one thing to fear having those conversations but it's another thing when you are so empathetic for the position that you're putting other people in it really was so hard to have those conversations and we we try to be very strategic on how we did it and really think about each and every person in the company and how to move forward um, there were tears, you know, and there was sadness. There was some anger, and it's all understandable. I think grace is a wonderful word to use because even in the anger and all that, it's just we all deal in such, you know, in our own way. This is this is unseen. Nobody that is alive now has seen anything like this. So to anticipate reactions would be a mistake. And just with the people that we have now on board, you know, it's just a handful of us. We do what are called daily, what Anna coined daily huddles. And I think that was one of the things that came out of the the Vern Harnish book. And sometimes, you know, when we lead these meetings, it's just like, tell us how you're feeling. Tell us what's happening today. And it might not be work-related. And then a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, we have a limited amount of things that we're doing right now. We do recognize that everybody's at home and they've got other things going on as well. So, you know, let's do an accountability check. What, Who's doing what today? And 
those daily huddles have been really moving us forward because it's very easy to get caught up in the daily and lose a whole day to whatever, you know, I binging or uh, our Netflix binging. I mean, I've heard that some people have been doing that. And then, you know, it's as easy to lose your day if it's not structured. So it's just a way to help maintain structure and stay on task and keep moving forward. And then in addition to the people that were furloughed, you know, it's very important that you don't pull them into the business because they're not being paid, but to even check on them and just, you know, let them know, hey, we really miss you and we're excited to get started and maybe giving them a little idea of, okay, we've applied for these loans and this is what we're hoping to do to, to get our doors open again, but just want you to know we're thinking of you. Just so they know how valuable they are and that when we are able to bring them in, that we can get as close to, you know, where we left off as possible without having to start over again. Because there's going to be so much uncertainty when we do open the doors again and how are people going to feel, you know, coming back into this situation try to maintain that as much as possible so there's not a whole lot of rework to do. Right. Anna, I know that you are more of the how girl in the business. And so when all of this happened and you um, both had to make those really tough decisions, I'm sure there were so many like, okay, now this is what we're doing. Now, how is it going to happen? What was like, what was that like for you? Hmm. It's hard to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we don't want to remember. I kind of com- I've compared this before, but like when this all happened, it felt like a bomb went off. It felt literally like a bomb went off and we couldn't see straight. We had dust in our eyes. And about a week or two later, that dust started settling and we could see the light again. And we were able to think a little bit more clearly. And I think when we came out of that, um, explosion. <laughs> um, we were able to come together and kind of brainstorm how to how to make this work. I definitely don't think it was all me saying like, "How are we going to do this?" It was definitely a team effort and a group effort in trying to pull everybody out and focus on right. Okay, this really crappy thing happened. What are we going to do about it? And any idea at that point is a good idea. I mean, any idea. So, um, yeah, I I think we just kind of came together as a team and tried to focus on, okay, what do we do now? And tried to find something positive in all of this, the silver lining, so to speak. Yeah. I remember it feeling like a bomb now as well. That second day after, I think it was like a Thursday or Friday, And we had, we called an emergency team meeting just to connect with each other and first off, see how everyone's doing with it. But I normally don't cry ever, especially in front of my team. And man, I just broke down. I just was like, I cannot believe this is happening. I can't believe that my worst nightmare is coming true of waking up and not having any events. But it's happening and um, it's interesting timing because the movie Frozen 2 had just come out. And if your kids are anything like mine, we've watched it (laughs) about a million times. (laughs) And I love some of the lines in that movie. And it talks about, you know, when life gets rough and when life 
knocks you down when you're not expecting. Only The only thing you can do is do the next right thing and make the next best decision with the knowledge that you know and the resources that you have. And then I think Ola, in the generally the beginning, he had said um, something along the lines of, this is what it looks like when you can't control the things around you and how you make goodness happen, even when life feels out of control. And so interesting timing that coming out and we've seen it a zillion times that I can recite almost the entire movie, I feel like. But it's got such great messages in it that we are so going through right now. So it's silly that I'm comparing Olaf and, <laughs> and Anna to, you know, business life. But I think that's that's so true. Like once you're able to relinquish control over the things that you can't change and really focus on the things that you can is when true like change is going to happen. And also your, your mind shifts from negative to positive. Right. Man, it has been so great connecting with both of you. I know that we've connected many times off and on over the last few years. And man, it's just so good to hear from you both and, and hear how well you guys are doing or maybe how we're all surviving and not thriving. Mm-hmm. So it's just been incredible to have a great conversation with you both. Is there any last thoughts or words that you might want to say with our listeners um, from here? No, I just wanted to thank you. Um, You've been kind of at the forefront of a lot of people in our industry that are really putting in a lot of effort to try to keep everyone connected and you're checking in on people. And I think that's so special uh, because it's pretty easy to get siloed or in your own little world when you are disconnected physically from the rest of the world so I think that's been really awesome of you and thank you well thanks I appreciate that I know that it's so special to hear from people when life is tough so I wanted to be that person while I had the bandwidth to to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) for sure Anna what about you any other final thoughts or words oh you know just hang in there and and I think we're all going to get through this and we're going to we're going to make it out even stronger than even before. Um, and I have to agree with Rhoda that uh, you've been such a, a bright light during this time, sharing your, um, your voice and providing education. And uh, I think that is just so cool of you. And thank you so much for doing that. Gosh, thank you. You're going to make me tear up a little bit. so thank you it's been a huge passion of mine so I'm glad that one I actually have the time to do it (laughs) that's part of the reason I actually have time now so we'll keep doing it (laughs) thanks well thank you both for being on and um, we'll catch up soon gosh, that was such a great conversation with the Loot Girls. That was Rhoda and Anna from Loot Rentals. And they have locations in Austin, Texas and here in Fort Worth, uh, Texas. So I'm so glad that you have joined us here on this podcast episode. 
just a quick finally reminder that if you liked this episode, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with your communities on social media. And if you like this episode and this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you leave a review, that helps other podcasters and other listeners see that you like it and that they'll jump in as well. So we can't wait to see you next week. We will have Nate Nelson on to talk all about networking and we're so thrilled to have him on. So thanks so much. And just so you know, you can see us on Instagram and Facebook live at 10 a.m. every Wednesday morning. We'll see you there. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you soon.